Well, good morning again, everybody. So we'll be in John chapter 12, starting in verse 37 today, if you want to go ahead and turn towards that. Fear. See, an emotion that is overwhelming, it can drive into a person's heart depression and anxiety. It can leave us feeling alone and isolated. It can leave us feeling inadequate and unprepared. See, fear at its root hits us deep in our heart because we know that the reason we have fear is because it's a shortcoming of ourselves in something. Maybe it's a shortcoming of our belief that we can accomplish the task at hand. Or maybe it's a shortcoming of our ability or our character to make it through the situation. Maybe it's a, a, a shortcoming or a lack of strength to make the journey. See, that's where fear comes from. Is it comes from the inside, and that's why it's so powerful. That's why it can seep into us and, 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 and sap all of our energy and just drive us into a place of depression, anxiety, being scared of a situation. But the question that we're going to ask and answer today is, is what drives us there to be fearful of sharing the gospel with people? What drives us to a place where we are so scared that the truth that we know in Jesus Christ is not strong enough to overcome the fear of the world around us. Because there's some things that come into our world that push on us pretty hard and it draws us into our own little corner and we get scared. And I'm not saying individually because while it's an individual issue, it's also a church issue. There's a fear in the American church to actually stand up and preach the gospel, to share the gospel, to go out and share God's love in a true and honest way to what scripture and how God has shown himself to be in the world around us because we're afraid we're not going to be accepted or we're afraid that they're going to push back and be hateful towards us. And why do we have that? And why do we allow it to sit in our hearts and drive us? And so today as we talk about fear, we're going to start here in John 12. So please stand with me as I read. Starting in verse 37, chapter 12 of the Gospel of John, John writes, Even though he had performed so many signs in their presence, they did not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet who said, Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom? Has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This is why they were unable to believe, because Isaiah also said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they would not see with their eyes or understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke about him. Nevertheless, Many did believe in him, even among the rulers. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. So they would not be banned from the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than praise from God. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we praise your holy name and we praise your son, Jesus Christ. And we lift up and we, we ask for the strength and the courage and the boldness to confess Jesus' name, to not put man's praise or human's praise before your praise. That you will give us the strength to be your voice wherever we find ourselves. That you will give us the courage to speak up even though we know there may be anger and retaliation against us for it. 
For Lord, in your presence, in your truth, there is true hope and healing. And for those who have a hardened heart and a blind eye, may you soften their heart that they may be able to come to you and be healed by you. For Lord Jesus, you heal all of us through your blood, through your sacrifice, and through your power. And we give thanks fully and completely as we lay ourselves before you. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So inside the section of Scripture, we have a few things going on. First of all, this is John, the writer of the Gospel writing. There's no Jesus words in here. This isn't Jesus' commentary. Um, as we move into chapter 13, we are going to see a huge amount of Jesus' words. He's really moving from a public ministry. In fact, this is his last moment of public ministry before he moves into a very deep and, and personal ministry with his disciples, which I think is so fitting that as we this year have made the challenge to us as a church, as a whole, and individually to really step in and grow personal and relational with Jesus Christ, to really be in an intimate relationship with him through study and through coming together in, in groups and coming together in community here at the church, that's exactly what he's about to make the transition towards. So I think that'll fit really well with the theme of where we're moving this year. But here at this particular moment, we have this last little saying. And John's saying like, hey, look, even though he had performed so many signs in their presence, so before the Pharisees, before the Jews, before the people of Israel, he had healed the blind, he had cured the sick, he had raised the dead. I want you to think about that. He raised the dead. He fed the multitudes, all before them, all within their sight, and yet they still chose not to believe in him. They still put human convention ahead of spiritual knowledge and spiritual edification. They still put their wants and their will before God's will. And they refused to accept and believe in Jesus Christ. That's who him is in this whole statement. John is talking about Jesus. And so anytime you hear him in any of the scripture in this area, it's Jesus that they're talking about, unless it's specifically the Lord or God mentioned. But he says this is on purpose. This, this comes from something greater than ourselves, and that's verse uh, 38 there. He says, this was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, who said, Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So what he's saying is, is, hey, Isaiah the prophet was making this comment about him and all the other prophets who had been sharing God's truth, sharing the, the word and the knowledge of God with Israel. And he was asking himself, now this comes from Isaiah. Uh, if you go back to 53, and we're going to go to there. So if you want to flip back to Isaiah 53 in your scripture, and I'll read also so you guys and have it. But it starts right in verse, 30, verse 1. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So exactly what John wrote is happening in Isaiah roughly 1,500 years before John saying it. He grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of the dry ground. And he didn't have an impressive form or majesty. He was undignified. That we should look at him 
no appearance that we should desire him, right? So he's talking about Jesus Christ. This is Isaiah prophesying, or prophesying about the Messiah who's to come, who is going to rescue Israel from the brokenness that it's in. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. And he was like someone people turned away from. He was despised, and we didn't even value him. So this is what he's talking about. This is what John is saying is coming to fruition. This is what's happening in Israel as Jesus is finally coming to the end of his ministry on earth. See, what's happening is the people are seeing the miracles. They're seeing the power of God through him. There's no question in mind. Even the Pharisees have sat there and argued amongst themselves behind closed doors up at this point that we've learned that, man, there's something to him that's above and beyond. But we know from previous, from God's predestined explanation through the prophecy, through the prophets, that there were going to be people who just wouldn't understand, who wouldn't accept, who wouldn't hear, wouldn't see for the truth that was there. Continues on, he says, this is why they were able, or unable to believe, because Isaiah also said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they would not see with their eyes or understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Now, what this sounds is like God's responsible for hardening their hearts. But that's not exactly what this is meaning. What this is saying, and that draws back from Isaiah 6. So if we go back to Isaiah, we go to chapter 6. Starting in verse, uh, verse 10. Make the minds of the people dull. Deafen their ears and blind their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their minds and turn back and be healed. And so this is Isaiah. It says, then I heard a voice of the Lord asking, who should I send? This is back up in verse 8. Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Very famous verse, right? We hear it all the time. Here I am, send me. And then nine, we hear, and he replied, God, go and say to these people, keep listening, but do not understand. Keep looking, but do not perceive. Make the minds of the people dull. Deafen the ears and blind their eyes. What's being said here is, go teach the truth. Put it out in front of them. But I guarantee you that what's going to happen is as you share the truth with them, they will turn their hearts and they will blind themselves because they will not want to release their will in the situation. They don't want, want to subject their truth to God's truth. They will not want to walk in the truth that's there. And so they will be hardened. Not because God wishes that upon them, but because they will choose that path. They will stand before God. They will stand before the truth of the Lord and deny it. Isn't that exactly what we see with Jesus Christ? He came beckoning repentance, right? Repent and come back to the God of your fathers. Come back to a place where you understand what you're called to be, a people that brings delight to all the nations. But instead what happened is, is they heard the message and they saw the truth and they saw the miracles and they saw everything that God was doing as Jesus did his miracles. But instead of praising God and standing up and confessing the Messiah had returned, instead, they start to plot to kill him, 
to remove him from the situation. Because why? Because they were pushing up, or he was pushing up against what their values were, what their wants were, what their will was in the situation. They were hardening their hearts. They were blinding their eyes, not God. God was revealing himself to them. Because the human heart always wants to be that which it can't be, God himself. They were willing to blind themselves. For all they needed to do was to accept, see what it was for what it was, and he would heal them. So we go back to John. The end of verse 40. So that they would not see with their eyes or understand with their hearts, and in turn, I would heal them if they had. See, Isaiah said these things because he saw the glory. He saw God's glory because he was speaking. He was being, you know, prophets. Prophets had a really close relationship with God. And he knew God and he knew his glory because he had that tight relationship with God. But he also understood that when you speak about that glory, that means that humans have to submit their glory to God's glory. They have to be willing to diminish themselves or lessen themselves before God. And that's a really hard thing for any of us to do. How good are we at diminishing ourselves amongst each other, being humble amongst each other, let alone God himself, right? We have to build ourselves up. Our pride drives us all too often. See, Isaiah had been given that little tidbit of information from God. He had been given that little bit of information that, hey, even though you're gonna provide them with the clearest and most concise and, and, and the best answer you can to who I am and what they should be, even though you're gonna teach them the truth of all truths that fuel everything that we know to be true, their pride's gonna keep them from answering it. Their pride or lack of humility is gonna keep them from believing in it. And so Isaiah says, listen, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke about him he knew the truths of God and he gave Israel a chance to learn those truths. And John is reminding us that Jesus was the true revelation of who God was. In completeness here on earth as a model, as a mentor, as a, as, as a, as a physical, touchable opportunity for us to know who he was. To know the presence of God amongst us. To no longer be hid behind the veil, but to be in person with us. See, what John was reminding us is that even though Jesus did everything he did, even though he was the absolute truth standing before us, human pride was still going to keep people from accepting and believing. That they would harden their hearts to the place where they were ready to kill him. Because they were ask, or what he was asking them to do was give up everything that they had fueled their lives with. We have to be cautious about that in our lives, do we not? We have to make sure that we submit our lives to God's will because if we don't, we find ourselves in a very dangerous spot. We find ourselves operating outside of God's will, against God's will, with a hardened and blind, or a hardened heart and a blind eye because we don't know the truth anymore. Why? Because we're fueling the truth versus God fueling the truth. And we wonder why fear creeps up inside of us it's because what we're operating on isn't the truth. It's not what's going to get the job done. Instead, it's going to create problems in our lives. 
But here's where the real fear comes in for most of us who are believers. Verse 42, nevertheless, many did believe in him, even among the rulers. So even amongst the Pharisees, the high priests, the people that worked with the chief priest. But because of the Pharisees, those who persecuted those who walked outside of the Hebrew traditions, they did not confess Jesus so that they would not be banned from the synagogue for they loved human praise more than praise from God. Some of you might have in your translations the word fear, for they feared the Pharisees, and so they did not confess him. The word that's there um, isn't uh, phobia. We were actually talking about that in men's group yesterday, which is actually fear. It's actually a conjunction of words that means onto, not as of. Really complicated, I get it, I understand it. But what it actually means is what we see here in this is they were fearful that they would be pushed out of the community of the world. They were afraid that the, the norms of the society would push against them and remove them and they would be kind of excommunicated from the Jewish population. See, they were more concerned about what man thought about them than what God thought about them. They were fearful that the very thing that had brought them life, Jesus Christ, that had promised eternal life and hope and joy in life wasn't good enough to overcome the ridicule that they were going to receive simply by saying, I confess Jesus Christ. And see, that seems like that was probably a very big issue back here, first century uh, Jewish or Hebrew believers, but it's the same issue we have today. This isn't new. We are still fearful as a church, as a people, as, as believers in Christ, to confess Christ above all things. Simply because we're afraid of what the world will say about us. See, because if we confess Christ, it means we're confessing a certain truth, a certain way of life, a certain possession of, of what we're to be and who we belong to. And I can guarantee you the, word, the world struggles with it. Why? Because it's counter to what the world is. The truth that Christ gives us, the, the knowledge and the wisdom that God gives us is counter to the world's wisdom all too often. See, the world tells you, be selfish. Do what makes you happy. Christ says, humble yourself amongst your brothers and sisters. Be for the community. The world says, pursue money. Make that a goal. Strive for that next promotion. Do this, do that. Christ says, humble yourself before, be the, last, the least of them, so that when you're invited to the head of the table, it's with honor instead of being sent down from the head of the table because you're not a guest of honor. See, this is where the world and Christ really rub each other very hard is because the world tells us one thing and Christ should compel us to a different place in our lives. See, that's what we fear. We fear that because we follow Christ, we'll look so different, the world will excommunicate us from it. But what we forget is that we have a God who has said, listen, I will heal you when you confess and understand what I am doing for you. Right? For, for them to understand with their hearts would be to turn and I would heal them, verse 40. If we just simply understand who God is, if we simply just accept who Jesus is, he will heal us from the brokenness that we sit within. But all too often, we're, we're fearful that when we're removed from the brokenness, that which we find convenient and, and, and normal, instead of being willing to be changed by God, we find ourselves sitting in brokenness instead, right? 
And that's when our eyes are blinded and our hearts are hardened. That's when we find ourselves not being able to see God. See, when we sit in relationship with him, when we listen to him, when we believe the message that we're being given by Jesus Christ, then we see the arm of God in our lives. See, that was Isaiah's comment. He was saying, who's, seen, who's heard this message? Who's accepted this message? Who has seen the arm of God? Well, it's those who accept the message of God, who accept Jesus Christ, who have the arm of God in their lives and can see it for what it is. See, that's where fear starts filtering out. When we see God working in our lives day in and day out, we lose the fear. Why? Because we're no longer anxious about what's happening. Why? Because we know God's arm is working with us inside the situation. We no longer have to worry about being depressed about something. Why? Because we have the joy and the hope of Jesus Christ and the everlasting life that comes with the promise or comes from the promise that he gave us from the cross. And we don't have to question that. We can sit and dwell within it. And this isn't an easy and, and beginning message. This is a deep message because what he's talking about are people who believed. John is specifically addressing people who believed in Jesus Christ but were so fearful of what the world would say about it that they refused to even confess his name amongst those in their community. Believer, that's a message for you. That's not for someone who's walking in who's never accepted Jesus Christ. It is for a believer who sits there and says, I believe in Jesus Christ and I want the eternal life, but I won't even confess his name. I won't even confess the glory to God as we're called to do. See, that's what we're challenged with today. That's what we have to sit sit with each and every day is, do we honor God and declare his name? Do we confess the name Jesus Christ in everything that we do in life? Or do we fearfully sit back and let the world control us? Our last slide kind of speaks the the truth of it. Don't let your fear of what others think be what keeps you from following Christ. Follow Christ and see what fear you can overcome instead. See, when you follow Christ and you have the power of the everlasting God behind you, what can you not overcome? What trial can you not walk through? What difficulty can you not overcome? What fear can you not break through? See, in Christ we have all things because he's the creator of all things. But if you live by fear, who controls you? If you sit in a life of fear, if you sit in a place where you can't even confess the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, if you can't even confess a simple fact that you believe that Jesus Christ is who Jesus Christ is, who's controlling your life? Well, if it's not God, there's only one other ruler of this world, is there not? If you're not brave enough to confess Christ, if you're not able to do that because of what the world is doing, then Satan is who's ruling you. Satan is controlling you. And if Satan is controlling you, and we know he's the leader of lies, he's the ruler of sin, then what's driving your life? So fellow follower in Christ, confess Jesus Christ. Do it boldly. Do it with courage and do it all the time. doesn't matter who's standing around you. Confess the truth of Christ and the power that comes with that. 
be bold enough to do something that so many have failed to do throughout the generations. See, because when we don't confess Christ, I wonder if Christ won't confess us. That's what he's saying in verse 40. He says, I have blinded their eyes and I've hardened their hearts so that they would not see with their eyes or understand with their hearts. What he's saying there is because they won't see and understand me, I will not recognize them. Matthew 7, we have those famous words, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not healed in your name? And Jesus' response to that is, step back away from me. I don't even know who you are. See, if we can't confess Christ, if we cannot honor the glory that God himself has shown himself to have, how can we expect him to understand who we are? How can we expect him to stand before and confess us as his follower if we can't even confess his name? So as we leave today and as we head out into the week, I'm going to give you the challenge to confess Jesus Christ. People want to know why there's a smile on your face, confess Christ. If people want to know why you're willing to be a good employee even though your boss is a harsh person, confess Christ. If people want to know why you're willing to give to a a local food pantry or, or give to an organization that's doing some good in this society, confess Christ. If you're walking next to someone who's in of state of anxiety or depression, confess Christ and share with them the hope that comes from it. If you have a coworker or a family member who's struggling to feel worth in their life or is anxious about the situation, guess what? Confess Christ and let him start to heal them so that they may know him. Church, we are not just a body of believers who come together to sing songs on Sunday morning, I hope. What I hope is that we are a body of believers who serves and glorifies God, confesses Christ throughout our week, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all year round. But in order to do that, we need to understand and know the message so that we can come before him and confess him in truth. Let's take this year to really get to be in relationship with him. To know who Christ is so that when we confess him, we can confess his full truth. And that way it's not just us who receives the gift of Christ, but the whole world around us can start to understand and believe and receive the gift of Christ. Let's not be the the people who, because even those who are high up and should be able to speak their mind, are so fearful of losing that status that they refuse to confess Christ. Let's be bold enough to understand that wherever we stand, the best thing we can do for our relationships at our, you know, within our families, within our friendships, within our community, is to confess Christ. So that above all things, Christ is glorified. And that a community may be built and unified around Christ. Let us come together, let's do this as a family, let's do this as brothers and sisters supporting and encouraging each other. Let's truly be the family that Christ has called us to be confessing him through it all so that we are no longer a captor of fear but instead have the power to overcome any fear that comes before us. Amen.